0: Hi, Steve here. The daily news headlines prove one thing. The world is a very fragile place now. That means it's time to prepare for more instability. Let me ask you something. Do you have enough emergency food on hand to get you through severe shortages? Most people don't. That's why I recommend My Patriot Supply, America's largest emergency preparedness company. Act quickly and you'll save $150 off their vital three-month emergency food kit, which contains a wide variety of delicious meals designed to give you over 2,000 calories a day. You get breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. Three solid months worth per person. This is something every American will soon wish they had ordered. These kits are in stock and ship fast. Your order will arrive quickly in unmarked boxes for your privacy. Go to preparewiththinkaboutit.com and save $150 on each three-month food kit you need. But do it now. That's preparewiththinkaboutit.com. Don't be a victim. Survive what's coming. Go to preparewiththinkaboutit.com. Hi, Steve here. Just like the pre-tribulation rapture doctrine, the doctrine of the tithe is another one of those things taught by taking the word out of context and making it a doctrine. You know why so many pastors can guilt people, constantly reminding them to give their tithe every week? Because they don't understand that the law of the Old Testament is not directly linked to the New Testament or New Covenant. So because of that, most pastors continue to link the Old Covenant with the New Covenant when that was never taught in the Bible. You'll notice how they always quote Malachi, which is in the Old Testament, and there's nowhere in the New Testament or the New Covenant where you will ever find any mention of any part of the law being continued or implemented still. They even link it to the story in Genesis where Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of the spoils that he brought from the victory of gaining his family and his possessions back. This was a surplus. So they've made it into a doctrine and said, even if you don't believe Malachi, you should see that a tenth was established even back before the covenant with Israel. Just because something was mentioned as a tenth doesn't mean God made a doctrine before the law of Moses. And giving a tenth was commanded to be done by Israel for the Levi priests what did the money go for that the Israelites gave what was it used for it was used to support the Levi priests and the temple service the mosaic law required the children of Israel to actually pay three different tithes levitical tithe the annual festival tithe and the triannual poor tithe The Levitical tithe was the standard tithe that required all Israelites to give 10% of their increase, their crops, their fruit, their livestock, to the Levites. People gave 10% tithe to the Levites who took 10% of the 10% given to them to the temple storehouse for the priest. So, biblically, only 1% of the tithe was taken to Jerusalem by the Levite and placed in the temple storehouse, not 10%. There's nothing wrong with giving 10% or 100% to your church, as long as your church is not a dead church. Giving is a New Testament doctrine as well, but not the tithe. If you attend a dead church and you're giving, you're doing more harm than good. All you're doing is perpetuating death to the dying. The reason the people continue to believe this false doctrine of tithing in the New Testament church is because They don't understand what Jesus meant when he said, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Some of the Jews accused Jesus of trying to overthrow the law of Moses. He wasn't. He said, I didn't come to overthrow it, but to fulfill it. Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Notice what he said here in verse 20. Unless your righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you won't get into the kingdom of heaven. The scribes and Pharisees kept the law to the very letter, to the very tithe. This is why the Apostle Paul said, Since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God, according to the New Covenant, and attempted to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. The word fulfill means to fill up or complete. Jesus didn't say he came to perpetuate the law of Moses. He didn't say it would stand as long as heaven and earth stood. Many people have the misconception that if Jesus didn't come to destroy the law of Moses, then he must have come to perpetuate it. Absolutely not. Jeremiah promised a new covenant that would be established by God. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though... I am their master, the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration, for I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. If Jesus had not come to establish a new covenant, then he would have destroyed that promise. But he did fulfill that promise. For this is my blood which ratifies the new covenant, my blood shed on behalf of many so that they may have their sins forgiven. Instead of destroying the purpose of the law and the predictions made by the prophets, Jesus came to fulfill them. The law was taken out of the way, not by destruction, but rather by fulfillment. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them through it. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, Paul said. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, if the ministry that brought death, chiseled in letters on stones, came with glory, so that the Israelites were not able to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of its glory, which was set aside, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry that brought condemnation had glory, the ministry that brings righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was set aside was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. And Paul said, For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, as a sin offering for sin, in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who don't walk according to the flesh anymore, but according to the Spirit. The truth of it is, in the early church, they didn't have a big giant church building that could house hundreds or thousands of people at a time, and so they didn't have to continually raise a huge budget that some churches have to do to continue on to pay a big staff, a big electric bill, and to keep different ministries operating. In the early church, people would meet in each other's homes because they understood the church was not a building. The church is the body of each individual believer in Jesus Christ. It would be nice if pastors could just be honest and say, our expenses are this much, and so we need your gifts to help us meet this budget. If you believe we are doing God's will, please support it. And if you attend a church that is doing God's will, you should support them. You should give as God has prospered you and you're able to give. Don't give to your church if they're not preaching the true gospel. If they're not winning people to Christ and discipling believers, if they're not doing any of those things, then what are you even doing there? Why are you even giving them your tithes and offerings in the first place? Think about it. (laughs) I'm <laughs> not.